Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it Welcome, everybody, to a live stream impromptu edition of Liberty Lockdown. I did not expect to be doing this today, but there was a little bit of news that got made in the libertarian world. Was lit on fire by it. Um, you know, it doesn't take much for us to get at each other's throats, and this certainly did it. Uh, the Libertarian Party of Colorado and the GOP Party Colorado have come to some sort of an agreement where the Libertarian Party will not run a candidate if the Colorado GOP puts up people that we can get behind. I think that's kind of realistic. Um, but instead of just having my opinion, I thought I would bring on someone that was involved in this uh, negotiation. I, I don't think that he expected it to create quite such a firestorm either, but I think this will be a really interesting discussion. Dave Williams, welcome aboard, sir. Yes, thanks for having me, Clint. Appreciate being here. Absolutely. So go ahead and tell me who you are. What, what was your involvement in this? Sure. Uh, I'm uh, currently the uh, Republican Party uh, chairman. I was just elected in uh, in March. And prior to that, I was in the state legislature for the Colorado House of Representatives. And uh, it's a it's a big reason why we were even able to uh, interface with the uh, Libertarian Party and my counterpart, Hannah Goodman. Um, she watched uh, my history and my voting record uh, on full display when I was in the House of Representatives. I was a member of Young Americans for Liberty and their Hazlitt coalition. Um, and uh, you really don't get to be a part of that unless you're a little based, you know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> so, so Hannah, um, she reached out to me and she wanted to work on on issues and, and coalition building on uh, common areas of interest. And uh, we just started talking and we, we started discussing what we could really do to make uh, some sort of difference in Colorado. Um, right now, Colorado is under one party rule. They've been dominating for the last 20 years with, you know, very few exceptions in between. Uh, so at the end of the day, I uh, floated this idea. I said, look, um, I understand why uh, Republicans get a bad rap. They, they certainly earn a lot of the criticism uh, that's coming from many different people, regardless of their political persuasion. I talk about this often, how Republicans always make promises to limit government or lower uh, spending or cut taxes and regulation, and then they never end up actually doing that. Um, this recent debt ceiling fiasco is a great example of that. I came out against that very forcefully. I, I, I uh, praised uh, two congressmen here in our delegation. It was Ken Buck and Lauren Boebert, who both voted against that. And then I condemned uh, Congressman Doug Lamborn, who went the other way and voted with Joe Biden and, and McCarthy. So I understand exactly what what people are saying. I'm an anti-establishment Republican trying to trying to reform it from within, very much like Rand Paul or Thomas Massey, for example. And so when I when I uh, gave this uh, idea to Hannah, I said, "Look, what if we could nominate better candidates that would actually uh, be about liberty and limiting government?" and and be pro-freedom would that would that help us you know come to some sort of agreement um and potentially avoid a, a spoiler effect i know there's a little bit of a controversy on whether or not it, that exists i i know that there are some people that say it doesn't happen other people say it always happens i'm sort of in the middle i think it happens sometimes not all the time but yeah. sometimes and Congressional District 8, when our nominee lost uh, to uh, the Democrat by the slimmest of margins, while the uh, Libertarian candidate took about 4% of the votes away, 
that probably made a difference. Um, we will never know because we can never get into the minds of that of those four percenters. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it was worth uh, it was worth exploring. And so Hannah and I uh, just talked about it more and more, and we came to an agreement in principle. And right now, we're ironing out details on how to make that happen. Uh, I've already notified the National Republican uh, Congressional Committee. I've notified the minority leaders in the state House and state Senate that hey, if if we want to try and collaborate here and get better candidates that have appeal to non-Republican voters. This is the, this is the way forward. Um, you can run whoever you want establishment, but just remember it's going to cost you anywhere between three to 5% or even more if we don't try to play ball. And so yeah. that was my, that was my idea. And Hannah agreed in principle. And now we're just trying to figure out how to, how to execute it and innovate. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, this is kind of the, the paleo strategy, but, um, with the Libertarian Party being the the leverage by which we can demand essentially that there be a candidate that we actually could support, which is uh, rare but not unheard of, and I think that this has the potential to to make it a, a more common um, you know factor or common common occurrence, and I think that would be good. Uh, it's it's um, perplexing to me that so many in the Libertarian Party um, are adamantly opposed to this. Uh, I, I guess I can understand why to some extent, but at the same time, like if the libertarian candidate can't win, but they can actually, you know, leverage their small uh, vote tally to get better candidates that are actually elected, uh, it seems like a win-win uh, from my vantage point. It, I, I assume that's what you're attempting to do is to get, you know, not just subdue the LP folks, but actually create a better GOP. Is that fair? That, no, that's correct. And, I, and by the way, I understand the, the hesitation, the skepticism, even the outright opposition to it. For far too long, uh, Republicans have done this bait and switch thing where they promise the world and then right. they, don't, they don't follow through. I want to let every one of your listeners who are libertarians un understand one thing. They do that to rank and file Republicans, too. Right. We get upset with our elected leaders just as much as you do when oh, yeah. they talk about liberty, when they talk about less government, and then they never actually get to reducing the size and scope and influence of government. Um, it's an ever expansive uh, process uh, that they tend to engage in. Right. They don't care. Uh, typically, if government grows, so long as they're the ones at the switch holding the, the levers of power. Right. And that's uh, something that we got to stop. We got to break that mold. There's a reason why, uh, you know, people, regardless of, of the political affiliation that you may have, don't trust politicians. They don't trust Democrats or Republicans. And for good reason, because both of them have tended to sell out to the corporate interests who really want to control uh, what's going on. There's often talk about the uniparty or controlled opposition uh, within our system of government. And there's a lot of truth to that. As far as I'm concerned, and, and the numbers bear this out, uh, especially in a lot of other places, um, both political parties uh, have sold us out. They're all they're all a bunch of crooks um, most of the time. And if we're ever going to you know, break this cycle, then we, we have to start demanding better quality candidates. And I, I for one, think we can achieve that, that success uh, by working within the party and reforming it from within. And there are a lot of folks that have taken over a number of state Republican uh, parties and are, are pushing for similar changes and reforms. And I, I think uh, the only reason that this is even possible is because someone like Hannah, who is a part of the Mises caucus, and someone like me, 
uh, were able to get elected around the same time and, and come to some sort of agreement. Uh, ultimately, I want to use this as a way to encourage and persuade um, wayward Republicans or Republicans who may not agree with me that, hey, it's within your best interest to actually go for for more limited government, pro-liberty, pro-freedom candidates. And I, you know, the question I pose to uh, any of your libertarian um, uh, audience here is if we could nominate someone like Rand Paul or Ron Paul, are you really going to want to oppose that? I don't think so. Well, that I mean, my stance has always been if we have a GOP candidate that is running of that ilk, we ought not to be running a, a competitor anyways. Um, there are some in the LP that believe we should be running a, a candidate regardless all the time, and I just don't see the logic there. I mean, one, it's a waste of resources, but two, you want that guy to win. I mean, you do. You want Ron Paul to be in Congress for 20 plus years or 30 years or whatever it was. Um, so uh, to, to run an LP candidate, that might be the difference maker in him getting voted out and having some Democrat put in just seems totally crazy to me. Um, all right. So let's get into the brass text. What What is the leverage? I mean, what what are the assurances that, you know, sure, we don't run an LP candidate and then you guys run a GOP candidate um, that it'll actually be someone that we can get behind? What, how, well, how can we actually, you know, screw you guys up if you screw us over? <laughs> right. That's a fair question. Um, we're still working on those details. One of the ideas that I floated to Hannah was let's create a pledge together. You know, let's put let's put some items on paper and ask all of our primary candidates to sign it. You know, they they can agree or not agree. They can. This is a free country. They can run. And if they don't conform to, you know, the you know the basic standards that we're trying to work out right now then libertarians go run someone you right. know fine go do it but and if they're unwilling to you know be about sound money or you know ending endless wars or or making sure that government um is not spending uh, beyond its means but rather actually returning uh, taxpayer dollars to uh, the citizens then you know don't support them. Go run a libertarian candidate and let them suffer those consequences. So that's more or less what we've worked out. I'm obviously going to be a liaison between the establishment and the, the Libertarian Party of, the, of Colorado. I'm going to be helping to facilitate those conversations and making sure that my counterparts within my party understand the um, the choices that are before us. You know, this is in a lot of ways a time of choosing. Uh, do we want to continue to be ruled by radical Democrats who are absolutely not about uh, liberty, uh, but the opposite? They're about tyranny. Or do we want to <clears throat> do we want to go on a different path? So, uh, you know, the choice is theirs. But I think I think we could put together a pledge of some sort, make people sign it. Um, that might be able to give assurances. Um, I'm happy to uh, also use the infrastructure of my party to make sure people uh, candidates rather are uh, upholding their end of the bargain. Um, you know, one of the things that I was proud of when I was in the legislature was that you, if I gave you my commitment, you could you could count on it. Um, because one of the things that's rare in politics is uh, is uh, a kept promise. And I want yeah. people I that say what they'll do. It's extraordinarily rare. Right. Yes. And I and I wanted to be able to do that. You know, uh, and I, I want to do it here uh, because I I love Colorado. I don't want to leave it. I don't want to move to Florida. I don't want to move to Tennessee. I don't want to move to any other state. Um, not that they're bad. I just, I prefer Colorado. I get it, man. No, I and get I want, it. I want to fight for it. 
Yeah, well, I, I'm born and raised in California, and I did flee to to uh, you know Florida, so I I understand. You know, you're kind of you're at your uh, <laughs> you're at the the end of your rope here. Um, and I was just recently in Colorado for a speaking gig, and uh, I started to see the the same homeless encampments and things like that that I now or saw in San Diego right before I left, and I I was floored because you know my my father. Uh, was from Colorado, Colorado Springs, and I went there, you know, once a year, basically my entire childhood for some holiday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, or whatever. And it's not getting better, folks. Like it's, it is, it is degrading. And I think that this is a product of, you know, really radical progressive policies that ultimately don't respect property rights and um, don't address any of the drug and homeless issues that have destroyed a vast majority of the state of California, which is probably the most beautiful place on earth. It's really tragic. And now I'm seeing, unfortunately, uh, many of the, ex- the the California expats that, that fled to Colorado or didn't learn their lesson and they're voting the same direction. Um, what's weird to me is that Jared Polis, the, uh, the governor there, I know he's a Democrat, but, um, and I'm actually friends with Justin Amash, but he loves uh, Polis and he says he's like the most libertarian governor and blah 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 and I'm like I just for the life of me I can't wrap my head around that one he's uh, you know going after AR-15s um, you know was pro-lockdown I, I just are you a libertarian if you're those things like that to me are just like instant strikes so is there a, a potential with this alliance that you guys could actually get a, a GOP governor in there that's liberty-minded I mean long term you know one of the interesting things about this uh, the announcement of this agreement was that Governor Polis weighed in on the issue twice. Twice he talked about it. Now, if you know anything about politics, political 101 will tell you that if you're the superior party and um, you're dominating in every uh, fashion uh, in, in the elections, you typically don't care what your your um, ineffective opposition has been doing. Hmm. Uh, but he went ahead and he swung down in Twitter. You know, yep. He swung down and, it's, and and mocked our deal and even got into a little bit of a fight justifying his brand of libertarianism, which is not true. I mean, the, one of the greatest tricks that Jared Polis has ever been able to pull off is making people think that he's libertarian. Um, when, he was, when he was in Congress, he probably voted on a lot of stuff that Justin Amash or Thomas Massey did. Not not 100%, obviously, but some right. some there's some common areas. But I assure you, he's the most radical Democrat um, tyrant that we've ever had in Colorado. And why, what I think is telling is that we are, with this potential alliance, we are now cutting into his narrative. He doesn't get to define what libertarianism is. He doesn't get to define what liberty or limited government. He doesn't get the, um, the monopoly on it anymore. And that's the beauty of competition. Mm-hmm. Um, we are now competing. And I don't think Hannah and I really understood you know, this going into it, but after seeing how the Democrats and the media, you know, have tried to uh, downplay this or discredit it, or even try to build wedges between us, I think we're starting to see that we're injecting competition into their narrative. And we're giving the people an option to know what true limited government could look like, and not just buy the lies from people like Jared Polis. Yeah, well, and I I hope it's fruitful, honestly. Um, you know, I am a member of the Libertarian Party, and I am highly skeptical of the GOP. I think that they have uh, rested on their laurels and failed the American people repeatedly for decades. Um, that being said, the best politicians that are in office and have been in office in my lifetime have been in the GOP. That's just 
these are all facts, <laughs> you know? Um, so uh, I think that if there is any way for the Libertarian Party to leverage their 3 to 5% or whatever their vote tally is to get better options that are actually elected and put into positions of power that can reclaim human liberty, uh, we're kind of running out of time here. And I think that uh, odd bedfellows will be the name of the game moving forward. For instance, I... I went to the end the damn wars rally in Washington DC in this January. Yeah. Um, and I was marching alongside communists, you know, weird, <laughs> like never would have thought I'd be doing that. Uh, but when, when things are existential, you kind of, you, you ally with whoever is pushing in the same direction as you on particular individual items. And I, I really, I pray, I really do pray that there, you can actually put in GOP candidates that are, are strong is this is this state level or are you guys looking at federal this alliance on both fronts uh, state and federal so we're, okay. we, we can't do anything about the presidential race because that's a whole different system from what we're talking about um if you know anything about colorado we have a hybrid caucus primary system and okay. the uh it's even more bifurcated with the presidential race so that's going to play out how that's going to play out but every other race from the uh from the state state level, so state legislature and up, uh, that's what we're talking about. And we're really focusing in on these competitive races like Congressional District 8, where where we narrowly narrow, narrowly lost that election. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the candidate who was in that election uh, didn't do herself any favors because she wasn't she wasn't the kind of candidate that libertarians would would be able to live with. And. Um, we, we want to avoid that, and that's why we're moving forward on this deal. And I hope it works, too. Um, I think the only way forward, in, in a place like Colorado anyway, is to build coalitions. To you know, We've been decimated by democratic rule uh, for such a long time because they have just been um, – they've been able to rig the system to their, to their uh, favor in so many different ways from campaign finance um, laws that allow them to funnel money through their dark money groups – uh, to even allowing them to illegally ballot harvest um, in Colorado without much enforcement or even attention. Uh, so they, they've worked this system pretty well. And the only way that we can overcome that is by f- figuring out outside the box uh, methods that, that can carry forward a message of liberty to folks that desperately want it. I don't know anyone that doesn't, doesn't want to be able to live the lives they want to live. And ultimately, the government should be about about be about protecting your rights and your liberties and your property and that's pretty much it there's not much more it needs to get involved in and if i agree with that and the libertarian party agrees with that then there's no reason we can't find common ground yeah i think that's fair um question for you since i don't know the colorado voting base very very well um are libertarian ideas palatable to the GOP voters? Like, would there are there certain things that libertarians believe in that would be non-starters for the GOP voter? Um, yeah, I mean, there probably is, right? There is a divide on how to how to handle, for instance, the drug war, right? I I think the drug war has been a complete failure myself. Um, but how do you how do you go about really? getting a grip on that, especially if you're a Republican, has been quite a puzzle uh, to solve. Um, I think most people would agree that dumping billions of dollars into this into this war where we militarize the police is not necess- it's not working. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of people within the GOP that would also say, well, where does this end? Right. Are we going to legalize cocaine, for example? And these are these are issues that our party, you know, 
is we're still wrestling with. And so there's there's going to be some disagreement on areas like that. But by and large, Colorado and even the Republican Party here does have a libertarian streak. I mean, that's a reason why Jared Polis tries to paint himself as a libertarian. Exactly. He's figured out that the marketplace kind of has this, you know, leave me alone, get off my lawn attitude. And he's, he's, I got to hand it to him. He's, he's been able to trick the population into thinking he's doing libertarian stuff, even though he's not. Um, so yeah, there's how, a, how is he tricking people? If you go for gun bans and you supported lockdowns, am I wrong? Did he, are those not two things that he's done? He, he has done those things. I think, okay. I think people are, I think people are waking up. The only problem is he's in, he's in his second term and he's term limited. So now, now he probably feels like he can be a, a little bit more comfortable uh, doing mm. some of these things. But at the end of the day, he's the reason he's been able to trick people into this is because he's, he's leveraged um, taxpayer resources masterfully, whether you think it's right or wrong, he's leveraged those resources he has as governor, as well as the bully pulpit uh, to, to be a libertarian on issues that he knows he'll never have to deal with. For example, he, he constantly ran on a platform of lowering taxes. He's smart enough to know that his party, who controls the legislature, will never put that on his desk. Right. So talk is cheap, and he understands that, and that he's he's more than happy to say that and campaign on it, while you know uh, making sure that all the other major issues Democrats have, have uh, grown to accept, um, uh, as long as he can cater to them on those things and not talk about them, uh, he's going to be in safe uh, in a safe spot, and that's that's really what he's been able to do. He's been really good at targeting specific issues that he knows will go nowhere because of his legislature, and then leveraging sort of those positions to paint himself as a moderate. But he is not. Um, I worked under two governors uh, when I was in the legislature, and I assure you, he is the most radical, uh, left wing, progressive governor we've ever seen. He is. I mean, you said it best. I mean, he forced vaccinations, lockdowns. Um, you know, trying to raise, re- trying to get rid of uh, something that this is, this is something that should be replicated all over the country, but we have something called the taxpayer bill of rights where you can't raise taxes unless you go to the vote of the people among other things. Well, we, in addition to that, if there's a surplus in taxpayer revenue, we get a refund. Mm-hmm. The, the state has to give us a refund because it's our money. Well, uh, governor, <laughs> what a novel concept. I know. Uh, governor Polis, um, trying to have his cake and eat it too is uh is trying to eliminate um in the long term those refunds he's he's we we are we are seeing an increase in our property taxes and so in an effort to actually lower the property taxes and i say that loosely lower um he is trying to take our refunds and apply it to the property taxes so the increase isn't as big but if you if you extrapolate it out 10 years um, we will no longer have refunds ever again because of his scheme. Well, well he's he's very a libertarian, very libertarian. To, you know, right. ta- taxation is theft, but uh, if we take more than we need, you don't get it back. Makes right, sense. right. Uh, uh, God, I really don't like the guy. I really don't. I I, I rage against him online all the time. Um, all right. Well, before I ask you some follow up questions, uh, I just want to let people know we are live right now. If you guys have questions for Dave, feel free to leave it in the chat, and I will ask them if they are reasonable. Um, or if they're unreasonable but funny, I can pull those up as well. Um, all right, so first off, uh, or not first off, but uh, before we get into the Q&A section for my audience, um, what, is the, what is the future of 
Colorado if we fail? It will turn out like California. I mean, there's no, I mean, it, and it's, and I'm using California cause it's an easy example, but you can look at other places like Chicago, New York, Washington state, uh, especially in those uh, urban centers uh, where, where there's dense populations, it's going to turn into that. And I, I think um, if we don't make our stand now, if we don't come up with ideas that, that forge good coalitions that can advance liberty, then we are going to end up having a, a crazy amount of crime, uh, a terrible uh, atmosphere for raising families or, or running businesses. Yep. Um, I, like I said, go look at San Francisco. That's the future of Colorado especially in Denver. In fact, Denver's getting that way when people are acting. That's where I was. It was not, not pretty. No, it's not. I, I, I remember at the cat, when I was at the Capitol state patrol would, would pick up syringes, you know, yeah. before, before school kids would, would uh, come and visit the Capitol. They wanted to at least make sure that the Capitol seemed a little bit pretty, but stuff like that is happening all over the place. And there's this attitude, uh, you know, and I'm a big civil liberties guy. I, 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 I rage against police abuse and corruption all the time. But there's got to be some law and order around here. And right now, Democrats are all about hugging criminals and allowing them to get away with murder, literally murder, yeah. and uh, doing nothing about it. There needs to be some. I mean, the, there is a purpose for government, and it's to protect property and life and liberty and all that. Right. And if we can't even do that, then you're damn sure going to see it be, you know, devolve into a place like San Francisco. Well, yeah, if it can't do that, then it's not fit to exist. I mean, that's just the reality because those are the the basic tenets of why we put up with government and taxation and everything else. So that's why I fled California because I was like, I'm giving you how much of my income and I'm also like jeopardized every day. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, it's totally, it's insane. Uh, but just to, you know, sympathize with your plight with Polis, uh, same thing with Newsom. Newsom is running on, you know, how much freer Californians are than Floridians, which is just like, I can't even explain to you how egregious that lie is as someone who moved from California to Florida. Um, it's just gaslighting to the highest level to the point that I like genuinely feel like I'm losing my mind. Like, how is this guy running on? We are free in California. You son of a bitch. You locked down businesses for over a year, like well over a year. You mandated corporate products be injected into everyone living here i mean that's lunacy it's so unfree unliberty minded un-american communist or fascist or whatever you want to whatever label you want to put on it um but that's somehow they managed to frame it that way and i saw jared polis tweeting out just yesterday he's like he's like well are we talking about freedom when it comes to you know gay rights and trans rights and all this stuff i'm like like what rights are they lacking? I honestly don't know. I mean, is this is this just a political football that they're using to to divide and conquer? Because it sure feels like it to me. I mean, gaslighting is an appropriate way to put it. Jared Polis does not get to define what liberty is as much as he wants to define what it is. Um, it's not he's not the final arbiter, and it's it's come high time that liberty loving individuals uh, you know push back on him and say it's it's not. I'm sorry. If, if you're forcing uh, people to give up their tax dollars and then lie to them about how you're doing them a favor, that's not that's not liberty. No. If, if you're helping criminals to to get away with harming people or others or or their property, that's not liberty. Um, you know, and, and by the way, you know, if we're talking about the gay rights uh, 
issues, uh, you know, go go to a Muslim country. Ask them how free they are there compared to here. This is absolute gaslighting. And no one, I, I don't think any serious person in the Republican Party or any other major party is trying to outlaw homosexuality. But they, again, want to to make this some some wedge issue that's non-existent. No, uh, I mean, from the best best I can tell, even the more radical GOP folks, um, they're just upset about the curriculum when it comes to like indoctrinating their children into this stuff. And and I, for one, it side with them on that. Uh, I don't think that you should be teaching about sex and gender and all that stuff to you know eight and nine and ten year olds. I think it's lunacy. Um, I'm not sure that I want the state involved in that education process at all. In fact, I would rather there be no public schools, but that we'll set that aside. If there is going to be a public school, I sure as hell don't want some lunatic progressive teacher that's, you know, calling my daughter, you know, he, him and confusing the hell out of him. It's like, this is just, it's just very dangerous. And I don't, I honestly, it, it seems like such a reasonable ask, particularly after the, the forced masking and the forced um, vaccination campaigns that they tried to propagate over the past three years, uh, the Zoom education process, the torment that they put the kids through. And now on top of that, you have, um, you know, really like sexual progressive ideology that's being pushed on children, not not teenagers, but actual children. It's crazy. It's totally crazy. And, and I think that, um, you know, I, I honestly don't see much bigotry from the GOP side when they come to, you know, talk about the these issues. It's more like, this is just nuts. <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? So. I think I think most in the Republican Party they just want to maintain their parental rights. You know, we right. we, we have the responsibility of upbringing our children, and I, I guarantee you, if we if we don't feed them or we don't shelter them, it's going to be our necks on the line, right? I mean, so it would stand to reason that if we have the responsibility of raising the children, then we have the right to dictate you know, how they're raised. And if the state government's going to come in and mandate certain ideologies that people disagree with, then that's an absolute no-no. It's a, it's, it's a complete violation of the First Amendment. Uh, the government has no business dictating the content of our beliefs. Their only, their only role is to make sure we have the ability to express it and associate with those who also express it. Right. Well, and I think that in many ways it's a you know, violation of the separation of church and state, because I really do think that they're teaching religion to kids in public schools. Uh, it's not a formal religion. It's not one that's advertised as a religion, but it certainly strikes me as, uh, you know, a cult. And, you know, the consequences are only starting to be felt, but they are significant and it's going to get worse. So I'm, I'm glad to see that people are starting to push back. A lot of libertarians will disagree with me on this. I don't care. I don't care. I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong that they're propagandizing children with this stuff, and it is damaging them. If you look at the anxiety, depression, suicide, ideology, you know, uh, I don't know, not ideology, whatever, the, when you think about it, um, uh, you know, it's all of those trends are pointed in the wrong direction, and it's, it's a tragedy. Libertarians should at least be able to agree that we shouldn't allow taxpayer dollars to be put towards it, right? Well, I would hope. At a minimum. And we all we all know that that when we're when we're seeing the the progressive left push this ideology, they're not doing it on their own nickel. They're using taxpayer dollars through the school system or even through the federal government that or the state government that gives schools money to do this kind of stuff. And, you know, you may you may if you want to adjudicate whether it's right or wrong to talk about these issues with children, we should at least be able to come to an agreement that the government doesn't get to spend our money to do it. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not telling parents that they shouldn't be able to tell their kids whenever they feel that they're ready for any of these issues. 
I'm just saying it shouldn't be a curriculum item. Sure. You know, like it can't be a curriculum item. It's insane that it's a curriculum item. Right. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, I'm very disappointed in the GOP that they haven't used their leverage with the debt ceiling. As you said, you opposed it, which I appreciate. Uh, the debt ceiling increase, they should have been using that leverage to defund the Department of Education and also defund the FBI. My opinion would be the CIA as well, but we could set that aside. Uh, I, I I just can't believe that they're not realizing what time it is. Like this is really do or die time. You know, we if you've looked into the, the corruption that exists within the FBI over the past three years, not to mention the, you know, past hundred years of their existence, uh, but it's really stark now. And, uh, I just don't I just don't think if if they aren't pushed back against very aggressively and soon uh, we don't really have a country moving forward, or at least if we do have one, it's going to be a very violent and dangerous place. Uh, speaking of, I'd like to get your opinion on, you know, the the charges against Trump and everything that's been going on with that over the past couple of days, if, if you've been staying on top of it. Sure. I haven't been able to actually read uh, the indictments, uh, but, you know, this is what I've said. I said, look, we. We, we do have a country of laws. We're a country of laws or a country of men. And if, uh, for whatever reason, any politician, I don't care if it's Donald Trump or your dog catcher, if, if they've broken the law, then they do need to be held accountable. With that said, you know, being, again, I want to qualify this. I haven't read the indictment. I do think um, he's, he's more likely than not innocent of what the Biden administration is trying to do. I do believe there is election interference going on here. I think this is a distraction on Biden's part to cover up his his uh, bribery that he he received from a foreign national um and and of course the good work that the the house oversight committee is uncovering with respect to um, that information that the fbi has tried to put a lid on uh so you know i i think we should be very very mindful of the two-tiered justice system that we're seeing being played out here under joe biden and that uh, regardless of what you think of President Trump, um, he should be able to allow he should be able to have his day in court. Everyone's innocent until proven guilty. That's that's the same for anyone. I don't care what political party they're in. Uh, but right now, um, I think the, re the sensible answer is if you've broken the law, you should be held accountable. But from what I'm seeing here, that's not what's going on. This is this is a weaponization of the of the Justice Department against political enemies. Look, if if Trump is guilty then every single president in my lifetime has been guilty of the same and far, far worse. So like I didn't vote for Trump ever, even once. Uh, I'm just being honest. Like that's the reality. We have really, 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 really corrupt and evil people, war criminals, most of them, um, if not all of them that are, you know, standing up on their moral, uh, you know, pedestal talking down about this guy. It's just, it's lunacy. Uh, particularly when they lied about troop counts in Syria when he was trying to get us out of there, um, you know oh, yeah. the the Russian collusion nonsense, uh, <laughs> Ukraine gate, uh, the the list goes on and on. Um, and then you also have the recent evidence that just came out about Joe Biden allegedly receiving five million dollars in bribes from Burisma. It's like I just I just don't know how anyone can look at this and say, oh yeah, this is reasonable, you know. Trump, Trump held on to some documents. So like he's going to be the first president ever to be put in prison. Like, okay. Well, I think there's some dispute as to whether or not that's illegal. Right. I think there there's, oh, there's a lot of dispute. Yeah. Well, I mean, with, with respect to what Clinton did when we, when we talked about the presidential records act, you know, whether or not a president can, has the ability to freely keep whatever records they want to keep and then move forward with their life. I, I, I think 
that was adjudicated when uh, with the Clintons, and that was found to be just fine. But in this instance, it's not. For example, um, I we can talk about Joe Biden and how he kept classified documents in his freaking Corvette, <laughs> or we can talk about Mike Pence, who also you know kept documents. I, I think it's a good point. Like if he's guilty, then all of them are guilty, and so yep. we, better, we better start clearly. Talking. Charging everyone, right? Yeah, Hillary um, with their thirty-three thousand acid-washed emails. Like the list goes on and on. Um, got a question from Benzo. Says, did LPCO agree with how the GOP announced this? I assume that they greenlit the announcement. No. Yeah, I mean they gave they gave me the the written agreement, and we we told them that we would go ahead and give it to key leaders within the Republican Party, and then uh, once that got out, it was no longer a secret. So we just we made an announcement, and we didn't. I, I, we didn't we didn't go through every detail on how we announced it, but I, we had no objections. And I've been talking to Hannah ever since, and we didn't seem to get any pushback from how we announced it. So okay, yeah, I I don't know. Uh, maybe she has some insight. If you have any follow up, Benzo, feel free to chat it because I don't know why you asked that. Um, but. Yeah, I, this is a, I, honestly, I think it's a really interesting idea. It's going to be a test case. Let's be honest; it could blow up. Like you guys could end up running someone that that we absolutely, uh, you know, despise, and then we'll feel like we were betrayed, and then I'll be, you know, I'll be right back to square one of not trusting the GOP again. <laughs> sure. sure, and I, I like to tell everyone this isn't just for any. This isn't for the Republican Party, solely or the Democratic or Democrats, but no one should trust any politician. You should always Facts. ask yourself, you should always ask yourself, what does a politician have to gain if I believe what they're saying? It's sort of a follow the money type question. That sort of healthy skepticism is going to help out individuals in the long run, because let's face it, most politicians, the one thing they're all good at, regardless of what political party they're in, is they're really good at getting votes. So if they're trying to tell you anything, you always ask yourself, how does it benefit them? And um, I, I've, I've said that all throughout my uh, career in public life. I've, I'm still saying it now. You should always hold a politician's feet to the fire because ultimately they should be serving you. I am not, uh, 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 I'm not the boss. I, I answer to the Republican Party, but I also answer to others that I willingly enter into an agreement with. And that includes Hannah and the Libertarian Party. If I'm not upholding my end of the bargain, call me out on it. And that should be the, that should be applied to everyone who's who's engaged in politics. Dave, I'm going to make you a promise right now. I'm giving my tacit approval to this uh, arrangement, but I will absolutely destroy you if you screw me over. Carrie says, uh, would Dave be able, willing to connect them with the LP Minnesota to have a discussion like this for Minnesota? Many of us in, in party leadership would be interested in considering this, and we're desperate. Yeah, uh, you bet. Um, in fact, I can I can not only connect with you guys, but I can also uh, talk to my counterpart in Minnesota and see see what we could do. I mean, I, I, I can tell you that Republicans have been pretty, pretty accepting of this deal on my end. Um, so I can't imagine why the Minnesota Republicans would scoff at this. So I'd be happy to collaborate and uh, facilitate that uh, discussion. Yeah, I, honestly, I think any any state that's, you know, purple and leaning pretty hard blue um you know it's kind of do or die time folks like your your state if you let it go as unfortunately i did in california because i was not politically engaged i was an entrepreneur and i wasn't focused on trying to salvage my state i really thought that people would just wake up on their own at some point but instead by the time they woke up all of the people that shared my ideology were fleeing 
uh, because there was no electoral avenue to remedy what ailed us. And I think that that is what you're looking at in Colorado. I think that's what you're looking at in Minnesota. There's a number of states that are, are right on that, you know, that cusp. So now or never, folks, get involved. <laughs> um, it says red counties and deep blue states should hold their own elections and elect their own governor if just for show. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the other option is that uh, if this fails, I think that secession will probably be what people start to do or where you have, um, there's already been movements like that. I think it was Oregon that wanted to break off and become part of Idaho, the Greater Idaho Project. Have you heard about that? I have. In fact, there was a movement like that for Colorado to break off and actually join Wyoming. Um, I understand the sentiment. I don't think we're quite there yet. Okay. Uh, I'd rather just try to kick the bums out with the system we have. And if that doesn't work, then you know we can always vote with our feet. I can always move. I don't want to, but that's right. what you're seeing in California. You yeah, know? that's last resort stuff. Um, Hector, who's involved with the LP Colorado, uh, he says it doesn't cost the GOP anything to do this, right? So what's the value for LPers? Where's the skin in the game? Um, it costs it costs the GOP a lot if we don't if we don't meet the challenge. Um, you know, we we whether or not you believe in the spoiler effect, the GOP believes in the spoiler. Um, and we, we lost competitive races uh, with by the slimmest of margins while we saw libertarians uh, take a, a pretty good chunk of the voting uh, block uh, that would have made the difference. And so, yeah, and, and I, I don't I know there are a lot of libertarians who kind of think that the LP is is uh, somehow being subservient to the GOP in this. And they, they're not looking at it the right the right way. No, you guys pretty much have us over a barrel if we want to maximize our chances of defeating Democrats, we better perform. And that's how you should look at it. Well, yeah. The, I mean, honestly, I look at this as kind of a, a victory in some ways because it shows that we are we are garnering enough of the vote that we have one of the duopoly parties that's reaching out to us saying, hey, we'll be more like you if you stop screwing us over. <laughs> I mean, that not that the whole idea? Isn't that what the... I mean, from my vantage point, I'm not asking you because you're not with the LP, but... Um, I'm speaking to my audience. Isn't that the idea, folks? Isn't that what we wanted? We, don't we want people in positions of power that can actually uh, you know, make our ideas reality? I thought so. Um, I do understand people's hesitancy. I understand their concern, uh, their, their unwillingness to trust the GOP in any way. I get all of those concerns. I really do. Um, but I do think that you know, this demonstrates that we are now, to some extent, a force to be dealt with. And that hadn't been the case in much of my life. Uh, aside from, oh, Carrie Ann Harlos, the biggest pushback I've seen about this has been not so much the announcement itself, but the way it was announced, at least in libertarian circles. I'll have to follow up with you later to figure out what that, what that's about. Andy says, Clint, what do you make of ostensibly Mises members freaking out over this when this has been the game plan? I, I think I just answered that, Andy. I don't know what the freak out is. Um, I mean, this, this isn't exactly the game plan. We want to have libertarians that are running for uh, in my opinion, the the most fruitful lane would be nonpartisan races where you don't have a label, but you just put up our, one of our best for sheriff or mayor of towns and things like that. And in fact, um, you know, one of <laughs> a mayor, uh, I don't know if this is public knowledge, but he's he's one of us that is a mayor in Colorado. And it's awesome. And I went out there and I hung out with him in his town and I was like, this is just amazing. Very, very cool that he was able to do that. So I think that to some extent, we want to be doing that, but in races, you know, especially state and federal level races, uh, that the Libertarian Party has a very minimal chance of, of prevailing, if if any. 
then this is probably the best we can hope for. So I, I don't know. I don't know why people are so upset. Um, Jacob says, no trust for GOP leadership. There is no such thing as rhinos. Only Republicans, just some just hide it better. Well, you don't have to trust GOP leadership, but I like Dave, and we'll see if Dave fails me. I don't know. We're going to find out. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, one more question. Molly says, there are so many planks in the LP platform that are being outright ignored by the current leadership. How will these issues be addressed by the GOP if they won't even be addressed by the LP? I'm not sure which planks you're you're referencing. Um, so if you want to follow up as quick as possible, because I'm going to get out of here pretty soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there's going to be disagreements. I mean, there's disagreements within the LP amongst LP members. So there's going to be absolutely be disagreements when it comes to stepping aside for a GA, GOP candidate in the state of Colorado. Uh, I think that's inevitable, but I still don't see that as, you know, really tremendously different from what we're dealing with right now, uh, but with a chance of actually winning positions of power. So uh, any any final comments you got for me, Dave? No, I think this has been great. I'm uh, more than willing to meet with any other libertarians or members of the Libertarian Party to kind of go over this. I want to make sure that um, everyone has a, an, you know, access to me uh, so that we can have good faith conversations. Uh, this is, we are trailblazing. This is sort of history in the making. And um, I want to make sure that I do my part to uphold our end of the bargain. Um, and if anyone has any criticism or questions or concerns, if you want to cuss or discuss with me, by all means, I'm, I'm ready and, and willing and available. Absolutely. Um, got a couple more. And he says, thanks for having Dave on. I'm the secretary of LP Colorado and very excited about our opportunity to push back on the progressive takeover of our state. Well, it has been a complete takeover. Hector says, the disagreement here is what is the GOP showing that they'll do their part? What's their skin in the game? I, I mean, I think that the reality is, is that if they do this and they make the pledge to, to you know, push, uh, the, oh, Hector probably missed the beginning of the stream. LP Colorado and Dave here are working on, uh, you know, a list of agreements that any candidate that they'll run will have to pledge to. And if they won't, well, then we'll run a candidate. We'll run a Libertarian Party candidate and try and eat their lunch. So we actually have some leverage there. Um, does that mean that once they get into office that they'll do the right things? <laughs> no. I mean, you never have any uh, real assurance of that. But if that happens, obviously, um, I think that we'll have a, a lot of impetus to to try and ruin their political career moving forward. So it's kind of a mutual trust thing here. Um, this guy seems genuine and kind, Poparoni says. Uh Thanks for having this discussion. Shout out to Rep. Dave Williams for being a longtime Liberty leader in Colorado. All right. I think that's about it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you want to support my work, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. I am rooting for you guys, Dave. I, uh, like I said, we ain't got much time. We really don't. And if this fails, at least we tried. <laughs> that's all I can say, man. And and I, I really I really do hope that you're you're successful in um, you know running Thomas Massey esque candidates. I think that that would mean a much brighter tomorrow, and we need it now. So, good luck and uh, smooth sailing. Right hey, folks. Thank you so much. Take care, Clint. Peace. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from, and where did it?